Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Let's pray. God of our burdens and also our blessings, may you take these words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts and turn them into something beautiful. Help us find rest here. Amen. So the thing that I find most difficult about healing is that it is not a linear journey. John spoke with us last week about bargaining, and in the midst of it, he touched on all of the other stages of grief we've been looking at in this Good Grief series. It is impossible not to. We don't move through these stages like levels, getting gold stars along the way. There's no successful next stage unlocked, which is very disappointing as a competitive person. How do I know I've successfully achieved getting rid of grief? But... When I asked this past week in our worship planning where people would place themselves in the grieving process right now, because we're all in it somewhere, even if we're in the denial part, the answer was overwhelmingly that we are experiencing all five of these emotions over the course of an hour, a day, a week, a month. These emotions are a deluge. They just keep coming. But sometimes, and this is the really jarring part, sometimes they stop, and never where we might hope. Sometimes we find ourselves in one of those emotional states, and we have that thought. You know the one. It's the one on the bathroom floor. It's the one in bed when you're staring at the ceiling for what feels like the 18th hour in a row. It's the one in the moment where you just can't be bothered even though you're in the middle of things that used to make you happy. And you think to yourself that one thought. Am I going to feel like this forever? And that's the place. That's the place we're talking about today. The one that no one wants to talk about the one that has forever carried so much stigma and shame, the one that we still haven't figured out how to name for our friends, to our family, to ourselves. It is, as we have lovingly been calling it around the office this week, it is Depression Sunday. I was asked in one of my very first seminary classes by a professor how I would sum up the gospel in an elevator pitch. Now, I can tell you for a fact that absolutely no one I have ever encountered in an elevator has asked for this or even remotely welcomed the conversation, but I understood the assignment nonetheless. I declared that for me, the gospel was the permission to live a life we didn't always feel we deserved. Now, I would finesse this a little bit today. The word deserve carries a lot of baggage and the word permission holds a lot of privilege and in it all are these mixed messages about whether or not we're a people who are in need of saving. But in my faithful naivety was one of my core theological truths. I am okay. You are okay. You as a hot mess, 
you as a crappy friend, you in your failure, you in the body that is failing you, you who have turned away from everyone who knows and loves you, you who have turned towards the things that poison you into immediate relief, you in the valley, you are okay. You have permission to live a life of flourishing. And that permission slip is signed by the hand of the divine. It is unconditional. It's laminated in plastic so you know it is everlasting. It is yours to use whenever you want. And I start here today because if I'm being completely honest with you, I need to give myself permission to go here this morning. I need us to give ourselves permission to go here. And I know what you're thinking, what is permitting ourselves to enter into a place of depression have to do with flourishing life? Well, now you need to bear with me. We cannot process our grief, and that's what we're all about right now in this Lent series, without engaging in the falling to pieces that accompanies it. There's a Hasidic tale that says, a disciple asks the rabbi, why does Torah tell us to place these words upon our hearts? Why does it not tell us to place these holy words in our hearts? And the rabbi answers, it's because we are as we are. Our hearts are closed and we cannot place holy words in our hearts. So we place them on top of our hearts and there they stay until one day the heart breaks and the words all fall in. Today I want to talk about that falling in. I'm aware of just how much weight this topic holds. One depression does not fit all. There is a difference, too, between existing in a clinical depression and experiencing depression as it relates to grief. There is a difference between being able to explain our feelings of endless sorrow by way of our circumstances and existing in an inexplainable emptiness, gnawing, despite having abundant life around us. The place where we can all meet, however, is in that inescapable reality of life that says and promises that it's going to be hard, it's going to be messy, it's going to be fragile, and it will be finite. And none of us, none of us go here lightly, but we go here because there is no other way. Today we are talking about that place where we find ourselves when the too muchness of our reality finally pushes us down. It's a heavy place. I know it. And you know it. And God knows it. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We talk a lot about bad religion in our circles. And this is 
the religion, the belief system, the church that has hurt and killed the spirit and the bodies of those who were entrusted to its care. One such religion is the Christian tradition of the prosperity gospel. And you heard about John, or you heard John talk about this tradition in his introduction to this series. The prosperity gospel essentially says that if you pray hard enough, if you do the right things, if you believe, no matter what, you will be blessed. Blessed with money, blessed with babies that behave, blessed with status, blessed with the perfect marriage, blessed with the white picket fence. It says you will be blessed, as if blessings were just these things that fell out of pinatas when your faith finally bashed hard enough against them. It is sexy, but it's really dangerous. In December of 2019, a story reached my newsfeed of a two-year-old girl named Olive who suddenly stopped breathing in her sleep and passed away despite emergency response. It was a tragedy and one that too many parents have encountered, the worst nightmare. What made this story different, however, was that baby Olive's parents were worship leaders in a charismatic evangelical church in California, and they had decided that instead of asking the community to surround them in prayer and support, they would ask the community to stand vigil and to pray without ceasing that this little girl be physically raised from the dead. Hundreds of thousands of people gathered together and used the hashtag WakeUpOlive to pray for the bodily resurrection of this girl in the name of Jesus. This story came out when I was in my last semester of seminary, and it was the first and only time so far that I have ever been angry at the mystery of Easter. I was angry of a story of so much hope that existed because it had the power to be this dangerous. When I heard the voices of these grieving parents for the life of their daughter, what I heard was an unwillingness to even witness the cross, an unwillingness to give themselves permission to let life hurt, to let the mystery of why God and where are you, God, exist. And instead, I heard a condemnation against everyone else who had ever experienced a loss so gutting they didn't know they could go on that said, you just didn't pray hard enough. It's complicated. We go through all these stages at once. But the reality of the cross is not that we come to recognize Easter as the miracle destination, but that the miracle of life exists even as the nails pin us to a place where we don't want to be. That there are people who are willing to witness hands tied just so you know that they are there. That there are people holding ritual outside of the tomb for no reason other than that is what love does. That's the miracle. So when we talk about bad religion, 
One of the things we're talking about is a belief system that doesn't take into account that Jesus had to journey through the wilderness, that in the end he was killed. I do trust that in everything there is the possibility of new life. That is our story. But I do not subscribe to the notion that we can escape the dying. We do not move from shouting Hosanna to shouting hallelujah. There is death in between. And depression, at least as it sits in the stages of our grieving, is the inevitable experience of that. The realization that nothing is as it was, that nothing is as it seems, and sometimes that nothing is. And yet, as a people of the cross, we know that to not be the case. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Parker Palmer is a writer and Quaker and activist who has openly struggled with his depression, and he writes of it as a season of inner winter. He says that winter is the gift of utter clarity. In winter, one can walk into the woods that had been opaque with summer growth only months earlier and now see the trees clearly, singly and together, and see the ground that they are rooted in. When we enter into this season, we discover once again the cycle of the seasons is trustworthy and life-giving, even in the most dismaying season of all. It takes courage to see and live life in the midst of the tomb. It is a courage every single one of us has practiced. You have declared there to be life even here, even in the midst of this. And you have given yourself permission, at least right now in this moment, to remain. I read an article in the Christian Century this week uh, written by a pastor named Belden Lane who took himself into the physical wilderness to process the death of his 40-year-old son who lost his life suddenly to cancer. And he wrote that to encounter a canyon, we have to resist the temptation to fill what needs to be left open. Winter will come, but it will come to us all, not for us all. Our states of distress are not a war against us. They are a falling into. The place where we fall so low that the ground we stand upon is finally solid. The place where God whispers, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. There's a clip that's floating around Instagram this week of Jim Carrey being interviewed on the actor's studio. And in it, he speaks openly about his relationship with depression. 
And he quotes a friend of his named Jeff Foster who changed his outlook on his battle with depression and this reality. His friend said that to be depressed is to be in deep rest. Deep rest. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. When John and I entered into this series, we had a long and hard conversation about what it means to keep it real up here. Lent, as he's quoted Bill Phipps, is the season for the realist. We didn't want to go into this not giving you the hope of resurrection, because that's who we are. But we also didn't want to promise resurrection for the things you've lost either. A flourishing life is one that is permitted to be life in all its brokenness. This week, I was honored to have the opportunity to have a conversation, a very real conversation, with a member of our community who knows this life all too well. It was a beautiful and tender conversation about what it means to sit in a place where you don't want to be. And because it's real life, it doesn't have that bow on it. But because it's a faithful one, it has hope. And I would like to share that conversation with you now as a testimony. You might need to turn your volumes up a little bit. I completely try to ignore it. Um, no, I don't like it. I don't like the label. I don't like anything about it. So I can't say that I own it yet. I feel less than when I talk about it. So no, it's not something that I would describe or term that I would use. I hate it. There's always like this cloud hanging over me. Um, I mean, I've gone through things that are just cycles, you know, a, a death of a friend or, or family member and you're down and yeah, I've done that and I know that that's just temporary. And it's not going to necessarily come back. But this depression keeps on coming back. And sometimes it takes you by surprise. I don't feel like I have anything to be depressed about in my life. Wife, great kids, great family life. Um, I shouldn't be depressed. Yet I am. Um, things that have helped me. It's just sitting alone and just, I, I've got to be with my thoughts and work them out and um, a lot of times they go <clears throat> to a bad place, but I try to control it and, and just bring them back, but I need that solitude and sometimes, I'm just going to sound weird, sitting in a chapel or something will help. I can't say that I found it at Hillhurst because I grew up 
Roman Catholic and all the big statues and ornate stuff. And for some reason I could sit in a church with all that stuff and be okay. I have felt the presence. Sometimes it's comforting, especially when I'm looking for that comfort and I'm searching and I'm searching. Yeah, I have felt it. And other times when my head is just reeling and really going bad spaces, I, I can try to reach out, but it's just not there. And that's frustrating. Like, you, you expect that presence of that spirit to, to be on call, and it's not. It's like, I need you now. I didn't need you yesterday, but I need you now. Where the hell are you? Sometimes, in my real dark spaces, it's like, I could die and no one would know the difference. Like, why am I? Why was I put on this earth? Is my go-to, I guess. And that's when I'm in my real dark, dark times. You can't fix it. Like, I don't have to be happy all the time. Um, it's okay for me to be sad and I'll, I'll get out of it. But don't expect me to be happy all the time. And don't try to fix me. Yes, asking me to go out and do things is, is good, but don't... Like, I don't want to be inundated with that every day. I, I, I can't handle it. Um, but just because I say no to an activity one day doesn't mean that you can't come back and ask again. Sometimes it's just a little thing. It's just a hug. Like, I don't want to feel pitied. I mean, I feel less than enough as it is on my own, so I don't want to feel pitied, but sometimes just, I don't know, a phone call or a text message or, hey, thinking about you, it's all, it's all I need. Ann and I did our vow renewals at 25, and that was an exciting time. Um, Usually having all those people at the house and around us and doing things would, would really suck the life out of me. But for some reason that was uh, a very joyful time and the energy was there the entire time. It was like a two week period where it was just very high. Uh, yeah, it, it's nice when, when those periods happen. And sometimes it's just an hour at a time. You know, Ann decides to have her deck nights or, or, or something. And I'm like, no, I really don't want her, Ann. No, why'd you invite so many people? And then all of a sudden they show up and you go through the evening at the end of the night on my own bed. And it's like, yeah, I needed that. That was good. Keeping you know, the hope on a regular basis, having that hope is hard. So I have days that I wake up and today was a good day. So. Hopeful, yeah, yeah. Things will get better at some point. We'll deal with the low moments when those come.
Thank you, Claire, for trusting us with your story. There are some things in this life that we are going to experience that we have no control over. And in them, even in them, there is something present. We might not be able to name it. We might not be able to conjure it when we want it. We might not even be able to appreciate it. But there is something. And in our darkest of days, in the winter forest where we can see the carnage of all the seasons, when the cross is so close that we can feel it, the miracle of that something is everything. So let us be broken open. Let us fall in. And in that place, may we find our deepest rest. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.